This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, which is 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on our site are totally free, so do enjoy those on us. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Coming up here tonight, we can talk about how there is no war on drugs. Uh, But first, a story that I promised or mentioned, I suggested it last night, and I don't think we ever got to it. It is the top military recruitment lies, all all cataloged together uh, in the same place. Some of these we've touched on in the past on Free Talk Live. We've had veterans call into the show to sort of give us the real scoop on some of the promises that you hear. If you just believe what the military tells you in their advertising and their promotional vehicles on television and in print, uh, and just the the rumor mill, if you will, You'll think that a lot of these things that we're going to talk about are true, but as it turns out, there's a little bit, well, more than meets the eye, shall we say? We'll start the the list from alternate.org. And again, if you want to comment here, if you were in the military or currently are in the military and you want to share your story with us, how you feel like you were duped, 1-800-259-9231. Number one, according to alternate.org, the top military recruitment facts, recruiters lie According to the New York Times, nearly one of five United States Army recruiters was under investigation in 2004 for offenses varying from threats and coercion to false promises that applicants would not be sent to Iraq. Now, what was that number? One in five? One, nearly one of five. So, say, 18%? Something like that, That's a pretty high number. Uh, And they were under investigation, and that was in uh, 2004. One veteran recruiter told a reporter from the Albany Times Union, quote, I've been recruiting for years, and I don't know one recruiter who wasn't dishonest about it. I did it myself, end quote. Mm. Now, the reason for that is because they've got quotas. These these guys are like salesmen. They have uh, quotas they have to meet. You know, I I resent that statement. As a salesman, (laughs) (laughs) I I tried very, very hard. I've sold ad sales since 98. Yeah, these guys are like salesmen that can get away with lying. I, I see they maybe they don't have competition. I don't know. It looks like they're getting um they've got 18% of them have charges against them so they're not getting away with it entirely. Well, okay, true, but once you get that person's signature on the line, A they good can't go back and doesn't sue you. tell lies. Yeah, they can't go back and go after you and they can't go after the company for uh being dishonest. It's just that they just happen to be investigating A good some of salesperson guys. provides service. They they try to get their product or service uh you know taken by the person, but at the same time they have to provide advice. They have to say the good things about their product, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Nah, I, I, I resent that statement that salesmen, you know, tell lies. I didn't say salesmen tell you lies. You said they're like salesmen. They tell lies. They're like salesmen. But that, that doesn't mean that salesmen tell lies. I'm it's just saying that that's what they're doing. That. They're trying to sell people into the idea of getting into the military. And in order to do it, many of them tell lies. Lots of salespeople don't tell lies. I'm sorry if uh, I had conflated those two okay. accidentally. Uh, number two, the military contract guarantees nothing. The Department of Defense's own enlistment reenlistment document states, laws and regulations that govern military personnel may change without notice to me. Such changes may affect my status, pay allowances, benefits, and, re- and responsibilities as a member of the armed forces, regardless of the provisions of this enlistment reenlistment document. So, um, so there's the opt-out. Basically, they can do whatever they want once you sign that, that line. That's correct. Does it sort of mean they have to do it to everyone? Presumably, yes. Okay. Yeah. 
so, a little fairer, more fair. Not really. I mean, they can they can just change the rules on a whim, and you can't do or say anything about it. It doesn't invalidate the contract. You're still their servant, you're their indentured servant for X amount of more years, and they could completely change the terms on you. Now, that's also the case with many uh, corporate contracts, with many, like your cell phone contract. If you actually look at the agreement that you signed, there's usually a statement in there that says something similar. Uh, sometimes it'll say that they, they have to notice you, give you notice of the, uh, the proposed changes. And many times they don't. Sometimes it'll say right there that, you know, well, we can change this however we want to, and we don't have to give you notice. But in those agreements, you can always back out, or you can refuse to pay, or whatever. If they change the, the terms and you don't like their service anymore, then you just... You know, you just don't. You just refuse right. payment. If it's a cell phone and they change your ser- your service plan, then you can, you know, choose not to have that yeah, service you anymore. You walk down the street and go to the co- uh, competitor and get their service instead. Uh, of course, the military doesn't have that. You know, once you're in, you're in, and there's no getting out. Shouldn't be that way. Uh, number three, advertised signing bonuses are bogus. Bonuses are often thought of as gifts, but they're not. They're like loans. If an enlistee leaves the military before his or her agreed term of service, he or she will be forced to repay the bonus. Besides, Army data shows that the top bonus of $20,000 was given to only 6% of the 40-something... Looks, there's wait, there's one... <laughs> this is interesting. It's 47,727, and then there's another two at the end of it. So I don't know if they put the comma in the wrong place. Uh, but nonetheless, 6, 6% of the enlistees who signed up well, for active duty... Well, half a million people didn't sign up last year, so... It doesn't say what time time frame. Number four, the military won't make you financially secure. Military members are no strangers to financial strain. 48% report having financial difficulty. Approximately 33% of the homeless men in in the United States are veterans. And nearly 200,000 veterans are homeless on any given night. Which is kind of weird because they promise you that they're going to train you and stuff. That... Once you get in the military, you'll get all this job training, and you'll get out, and you'll be it'll be easy to plug into the workforce. I, think I guess it's not so easy the, after you've seen action and seen your buddies' heads being blown off, and maybe that does a little bit of damage to you. I think some people do get great training in the military. I think that other people, like the people that you know carry guns and catch bullets, they're not getting uh, use, usable training for the workplace. In fact, they address the job training one that promise here in a moment. Uh, but first, number five, money for college. If you expect the military to pay for college, you better read the fine print. Among recruits who sign up for the Montgomery GI Bill, 65% receive no money for college. Oh, man. And only 15% ever receive a college degree. The maximum Montgomery GI Bill benefit is $37,000, and uh, just uh, just over that amount. And even this 37000 is hard to get. To join, you must first put in a non-refundable $1,200 deposit that has to be paid to the military during the first year of service. To receive the $37,000, you must also be an active-duty member who has completed at least a three-year service agreement and is attending a, full, uh, a four-year college full-time. Benefits are significantly lower if you're going to school part-time or attending a two-year college. If you receive a less-than-honorable Discharge as one in four do, leave the military early as one in three do, or later decide not to go to college, the military will keep your deposit and give you nothing. Now, I could understand that if you break your agreement in that you don't stay the full four four years, then they, they wouldn't be have that choice. Then they, they well, I mean, you could you know pretend like you're gay or something like that and get out. Something could happen. But if but if you break the agreement, then it would make sense that they wouldn't pay for your college at that point. But if you are if you decide not to go to college then they keep your deposit they just take your $1200 you don't get it back that happens all the time with the government 
I mean, you know, you put in some kind of deposit uh, for, I don't know, anything. If you're trying to build a property or mm-hmm. build on your property, you have to put in a site plan. You have to put money in towards the uh, board. Then they get to say yes or no. If you're filing um, with the FCC, right, and if they say no, it's gone. Yeah, if you, yeah. if you file with, file with the FCC to get a radio station, it's a seventy-five thousand dollar filing fee. What? No way. I, I I've heard that number. Seventy-five hundred, maybe. 70, I can't it's, believe it's a, it's it's a filing high. fee that I would hate to lose. Yeah. The uh, apparently, again, the the military can give you nothing. Uh, the seven thousand seventy-one thousand dollars the army is currently advertising, and the eighty-six thousand dollars by the navy includes benefits from the army or navy college fund, respectively. Fewer than ten percent of all recruits earn money from the army college fund, which is specifically designed to lure recruits into hard-to-fill positions. Number six. Again, we're on the list of top military recruitment lies. Job training. Vice President Dick Cheney once said, quote, The military is not a social welfare agency. It's not a jobs program, unquote. If you enlist, the military doesn't have to place you in your chosen career field or give you the specific training that you requested. Even if enlistees do receive training, it's often to develop skills that will not transfer to the civilian job market. For instance, there aren't very many jobs for M240 machine gunners stateside. Uh, so that's one of the things they promise young people is that, oh, yeah, we're going to give you training. You're going to come out. You're going to have skills and everything. And you can request where you want to go, but that's it. Then they decide. And they'll, t- they'll make promises, like, you know, going back to uh, entry number one, recruiters lie. They'll tell you all kinds of things to get you to put your name on the dotted line. They'll promise you up and down that you'll get training in the, the area that you specify. And then when you find out that that's not the case, it's already too late. You're in. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Do you have an experience in the military? Have you experienced the lies? We'd love to hear your story. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. We've got over a quarter of a million posts, serious issues, and fun stuff. You will find it all, and it's all for free, at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. We are sharing a few, well, of the top military recruitment lies with you from alternet.org. They're running down the list, everything from recruiters lie to the military contract doesn't guarantee anything, can be changed at any time on a whim, they don't even have to notify you. Uh, advertised signing bonuses are bogus. The military won't make you financially secure. Money for college is uh, pretty much BS. And the job training thing is uh, pretty much a lie as well. They'll tell you all kinds of things to get you to sign on that dotted line. So young people listening, be very careful if you're considering joining the military. I would highly advise against it. The, the more I learn about the military, the less and less I like them. In fact, uh, we've got a gentleman who is in our chat, uh, our Amplifier-only chat room right now, Puke, who just recently got out of the military. So I would say he has a little bit of experience in this area. And one of these uh, entries here at alternate.org was talking about how when they give you the um, – when you get signed up for the military, they give you a signing bonus. And if you leave early – they take that bonus back from you. They demand that you pay the bonus back. Now, that again would make sense 
because you weren't really honoring your contract, right? Like if you managed to – if you signed the military agreement, they give you a $5,000 bonus, and then two years later you decided you hated it so much that you wanted to pretend you were gay in order to get discharged. Let's I, say that's possible. I think, that there's, I think it's possible just to get out of the military if you hate it too, to some extent. I don't know how you go about that, but maybe it is. Uh, but whatever. It, it is possible if you go through – if you jump through whatever hoops you need to do. Uh, but in that case, you are indeed breaking your agreement, and so I could understand them asking for the bonus back at that point. I could understand that. But according to Puke, again, who just got out of the military, apparently if you are actually injured, if you are uh, injured and discharged, wounded and discharged, they demand the bonus back. That's, and that seems just dead wrong to me. It, that, that's despicable is what that is. Uh, let's go. The person got in, injured uh, serving their country, and they want the bonus back. It's just awful. I mean, that's the last. That's not the time when you can get money out of people. The person's injured; they're going to need every last penny of that. Mm. Number seven, war. Com- this is the final military lie, according to Alternet.org. We'd love to hear from you if you've got a, a story. Perhaps you've been in the military, or you currently are in the military. Tell us what lies they told you to get you in, and, and at what point did you discover that? They, well, they were lying. Uh, number seven, war, combat, and your contract. First off, it's if it's your first time enlisting, you're signing up for eight years. On top of that, the military can, without your consent, extend active duty obligations during times of conflict, national emergency, or when directed by the president. That means that even if an enlistee has two weeks left on his or her contract, or already has served in combat, he or she can still be sent to war. More than a dozen U.S. soldiers have challenged stop-loss measures like these in court so far, but people continue to be shipped off involuntarily. The military has called thousands up from the inactive ready reserves, soldiers who have served for some, uh, some as long as a decade and been discharged. The numbers, twice as many troops are fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan per year as during the Vietnam War. One-third of the troops who have gone to Iraq have gone more than once. The highest rate of first-time deployments belongs to the Marine Corps Reserve. Almost 90% have fought. So, oh wow, there's more than, uh, there's actually, this, this article's a little longer than I thought that it was. Uh, but nonetheless... Just looking at that one there, the idea that you are signing up and you're told that, well, you're going to be four years active duty and then there's going to be four years in the inactive ready reserves and uh, then, you know, you're done. But according to the way things have actually worked, if the military decides it needs more troops in Iraq, then they just tell you, yeah, Mark, you know, we were going to let you go, but we need you to stay. So looks like you're sticking around for an indefinite period of time. Well, um, it's my understanding when you sign up that you sign up for eight years. Yeah. Now, four of that may be active duty and then four of it inactive or even two and six, but they can call you up any time. I don't think a lot of people really know that when they sign up, but, you know. What could they know, really? I mean, you could be two or three years into your new life and they just call you up and you've got to go. Seriously, what could you know? Right. I mean, as far as the military code of conduct or the code of justice and all the little rules that they have it. I'm pretty sure the entire contract isn't written on one piece of paper. Oh, I'm sure. So how many people join the military that actually read the entire military code before they join? Just so they know what they're getting into. How many of them? A percentage of a percentage, if any. It's just... It's just sad. You, you know, why are you telling... Why, it's just such a bad deal. They have to lie about it. The whole thing is such a jip, they have to lie about well, it. Well, c- compared to uh, the rest of an employment in America, yeah, it is. Um, 
there's no way you'd sign a contract where you absolutely positively have to work for somebody for four years, and then they can call you back for another four years after that, and then they don't pay that grade or anything. Nope. I suppose that some, I mean, they're always talking about they instill discipline and that kind of thing. I I, I think discipline comes from the inside. You know what? I, I think that a lot of people complain about kids these days, you know? Oh, these kids are so undisciplined. They just need to be spending some time in the military, and that'll straighten them out. Well, I think it's really just a matter of letting kids grow up. It's, instead of forcing kids to remain young and remain childlike for as long as possible, let's let them enter the workforce earlier. Right. And exactly why are they going to grow up in the military? Um, they're told what to do all the time. Mm. I mean, isn't that what you do with children? Yeah, that is true. I think that uh, you know I, that people come into their own at the, in their own time, and especially if they're put into circumstances where it's required. You know, if you if you go into the workplace as a young person who doesn't really have much discipline, then all of a sudden, you know, you've got to be somewhere at a certain time right. every single day. You've got to be satisfying customers, or you're going to lose your job. You've got to have a certain amount of initiative in just about every job. Exactly. If you're put into those circumstances, then you will either adjust or you will get fired. And then you'll try again because you're going to want a paycheck at some point. Maybe you don't need a paycheck at age 13 or whatever, but eventually you're going to realize that having a little bit of money coming in, even as a young person, I mean, kids these days, they like having money. They like being able to go out and buy their purses and their shoes and their, you know, jeans or whatever it is that they that they buy, mm-hmm. uh, they like having money, so eventually they're going to get it through their heads that they need to do what it takes in order to get those paychecks. And that will lead them to that discipline that people are, are talking about. I know it worked for me. I mean, not that I, was un, that, that I was particularly undisciplined before I started working, but I can tell you that I'm so glad that I went out and I got a job at age 16 instead of going out partying every weekend with uh, the other people that were my age. Yeah. Because that's what they were doing. Well, I got a job early and uh, did both. But still, you know, it. I knew that I had to be to work on time. I knew that people counted on me. I knew that if I wasn't there to open the store at 10 a.m., there's going to be people standing outside and they're going to be upset. Well, I mean, I probably could have done a more, you know, done more hanging out. But at the place I was working was retail, big Kmart. As a matter of fact, the place I was working at the time, they needed somebody to do nights on Friday nights and Saturday nights, and I wanted to be a valuable employee. Took some money. That's what I went and did, and it worked because I graduated high school with a cool ten grand in the bank. How many high schoolers can claim that? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can take control of the airwaves. Toll free number. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Sinkle CAI toll-free line, the live Saturday edition. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. We've got the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Sakel CAI is a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. 
SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. We started out the hour talking about some of the top military recruitment lies and wanted to know if you had any stories or, of course, any comments, or you can bring up whatever you want. So let's go to the phones and start with Jim in West Virginia. Jim, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, hello. Hey. How you doing, folks? Hey. Doing great. Good. You're listening to WVTS. What's on your mind, Jim? Yes. Uh, well, I'm, all the points that you made, I'm sure, probably are true at some point in time, but uh, every one of the things that you talked about regarding uh, all the, the, the benefits, the promises, the uh, paying for college, the, the uh, bonuses, they all happened to my son. Okay, he. I mean, he has no complaints. He's in the army. So you're saying hey. they screwed your son over, but he doesn't no, have no. any complaints? No, no. He's saying that he got all those things. I got all. The, I got all the things that that they said they would give him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Well, there are uh, some people that that do get uh, what they're promised, but other people don't. You know, they 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 lie and they say they're going to place him somewhere and they don't. Uh, and then, you know, how do you feel about the point about what if your son got wounded and then had to pay back his bonus? How would you feel about that? Oh, uh, I probably wouldn't like that very much. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't know if they can legally do that. I don't. Oh, know. sure they can. They're the military. They can pretty well, much see, legally that, do that, whatever they want. My, exactly. That's my point. Whenever somebody joins the military, they they have to realize that that's the final rule right there. It's true, okay? and I, I wish that it weren't they that can way. Do whatever they want to do. Well, why do you no. think it is that the military can uh, offer a job that, um, you know, in, in that respect? I mean, McDonald's couldn't get away with that. Walmart couldn't get away with it. Why do you think it is that the military can get away with that in, in today's I, job market? I would say, well, it's it's tradition. It always was done like that from the beginning, you know. And well, and, and you have the the uh, government to back up the right. The uniform code of military justice. You've got so the you, government and all their gu- their guns and their courts, uh, and so you know M- McDonald's doesn't have the ability to use coercion on anybody, but the well, government it's a free does. Country, that's that's you know we don't have anything that that's called a draft yet. Okay, so if you join. And, and it's of your own free will. It's it's like let the buyer beware. You know, uh, I'm totally with you. Buyer beware, caveat emptor, and that's part of what we're trying to do here is to uh, help these young people beware uh, because they are faced with lies coming from many of these military I think, recruiters. I think one well, point, you know, I I, I kind of think lying is a little strong. Okay. Eighteen percent of them have uh, you know cases against them for lying. You know, I mean, well, I, yeah, I would like to see the particulars. You know, lying lying to some person may be a misunderstanding, you know, I know you said you were going to do this, you know, but but all along, all along the uh, process, when my son was being recruited, because it was a toss-up, I think, whether he was going to go to the the Navy or the Army, and he ended up in the Army, uh, the recruiters that was sitting in our dining room said, make sure you get everything you want in writing. I, I would agree with that completely, it. and I think that there's a lot of kids who probably don't have the advantage of having a, a parent that's so involved in their recruitment. I think that a lot of kids just, you know, they, they go, they sign up at the uh, high school the, the high school or the recruitment office or whatever, and their parents aren't nearly as involved. Well, it sounds yeah, to me I like... Yeah, but I mean, you know, if 
That's there's another uh oh. You know? yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, kids um, are gullible. About the contract that one signs. Um, the contract that one signs to join the military says that not only um, are the things on this contract true, but everything in the military code of uniform code of justice is um, also uh, you know affects this contract. There's no way that a, anybody who you know signed an employment contract anywhere would be able to get away with you know having a huge you know volumes and volumes of uh, uh, of their their contract being thousands of pages long. That's or, not fair. I, I agree, but see, this is not a normal employer. This is too. Defend the country. It has nothing to do with. Well, they're not defending the country anymore. Civilian life. It is military life. Come on, Jim. You and I both know. You and I both know the military is not defending America. What's it doing? It's out around the world uh, starting conflicts. Oh, it's starting conflicts. Right. You defend America by staying in America. I don't think the military starts the conflicts, Ian. I think that the politicians politicians start the conflicts. It's the politicians. You can't blame the military. Sure you can. And here's why why I can blame the military, because each one of those military members, uh, they swear an oath to uphold and protect the Constitution from enemies foreign and domestic. And domestic enemies would include politicians, like, uh, you know, people that are sending them on unconstitutional orders. So, yeah, I do blame. It's a legal matter. You've got to dis- establish a legal uh, a legal position and win it before you can uh, win that argument. I don't you think know, that's, that's true. I think that as a military I, member, you that. you should refuse orders when they are unconstitutional. And yeah, I don't think I you think have to buy a, lo- I think hire a lawyer tough for that. Position to take um, for you know a 22 year old guy well, to sure, go up against his. Uh, colonel or his captain and say, no, sir, what you're suggesting I do is illegal and it's against the Constitution and I won't do it. I know it's tough. I didn't say it'd be well, easy. Yeah, see, it's, it's, we're, we're bordering on, on a couple of like idealistic attitudes here, and I understand that, and I think that's good. But, but realistically, both sides of the, of the situation or the issue, you know, they've got to police themselves and do the best they can with what they have, Okay. But like I said, it's it's it's, and I, I'll go away if you want me to. But it's it's the it's not the best of both worlds by any means. But it's as good as we can get. And uh, until someone comes up with a better system, I'm voting for the one we have. Well, Fair enough, Jim. Thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I've got a better system. Uh, I think a, a nice interim step. <laughs> I'll take an interim step of bringing the military home from around the world and drastically, you know, cutting down its size. Because if it were just defending America, it really wouldn't need to be as large as it is today. Uh, so that would be a nice little interim step toward eliminating it entirely and allowing the marketplace to handle defense. That would be much better, in my opinion. It would be done on a voluntary basis. You wouldn't have these uh, essentially slavery contracts, indentured servitude. They wouldn't be able to get away with that sort of thing. I and, would agree with you. Um, and they'd have to be focused on customer service instead of just taking people's money and spending I, it and then dumping tools off the side of an aircraft carrier. I don't know how in the world um, a you know private military would work, but um, what I can say is that I would totally agree that we should bring back uh, people, you know, all the all the military people out of the 131. I'm not making this number up. 131 nations that they're currently in, and, and to some, some of those people feel like they're occupied. I um, would feel that way if there was a Chinese military base down the street from me. Even if they weren't killing people, I would feel occupied. Um, I think we should bring them home, and then we should uh, employ a very small force of professional fighters and then have uh, militias. 
I, I think that this is a seems reasonable. This this is how we did it in this country for a very long time before right. we started this whole empire building right. gig back uh, when we you know took over the Philippines and, and Cuba and that kind of thing. And the fact is, the empire building you're talking about being in 130 countries in active conflict in a few other in a, you know a couple countries, all of this is bankrupting the country. It's costing us hundreds of billions of dollars, and that is not good for the American economy. Working not on a trillion there in at Iraq. all. Let's continue with the calls this time. Let's go to Jack in Florida listening on. WFTL. Hello, Jack. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to say that um, the notion that if you get hurt before your duty is up and they revoke the bonus, that's that, that's totally false. I don't know where you got that. I got it from I, someone who just uh, who just left the military, still in, in active ready reserve status. So they showed you documentation that said it, or did they just tell you this? Uh, he's a trustworthy individual that I know personally, so yes, it is okay. hearsay at this point, sir. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm but I have, I, was... I actually have heard a case of this happening. A gentleman was, uh, you know, kicked out of the military because he was injured and then forced to repay his bonus. So I've, I've yeah, heard it in the news. Things, but these are just things that you hear. I was, I, I was in the military. I was injured in Fallujah a year and a half before my hitch was up. I got a bonus. I didn't have to give it back. That's all in black and white in the contract. Well, that's good to hear. Excellent. That's good to hear. If you've got more, hang on, okay? 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. At 1-800-259-9231, the single CAI toll-free line, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go to shop with us at store.freetalklive.com. We've got great Free Talk Live branded merchandise and more. Things that don't even have our logo on them. We sell uh, the very cool Free Marketeer logo, which is an original design by our store manager and graphic designer, Johnson. Uh, you can see what that looks like and get it on a flag or a T-shirt. And then, of course, there's all the great uh, Free Talk Live hats and shirts and hoodies and uh, DVD archive classic collector sets and more. It's all there at store.freetalklive.com. That is store.freetalklive.com. And I think there's an upgrade in the works for the store to make it even more user-friendly and more sh- you know, shopping carty, that sort of thing. So we're putting a little bit of money into the store to make it uh, easier for you to use. Once again, store.freetalklive.com. All right, so let's go to the phones and to the fun. By the way, Jack dropped off the line. He was the one that was making a counterclaim. One of our listeners, Puke, had claimed that the military has been known to uh, demand that recruits pay back their bonuses if they end up getting wounded and discharged. Jack called in and said, no, that's not the case. He knows people that have been wounded and discharged and so didn't have to pay we've back We've got the soldiers money. saying both sides. I've got a Nightline investigation here that says wounded soldiers told, told they owe money to Army. That seems like enough to me. Let's go to the phones and talk to Livewire in Florida listening on WFTL. Hello, Livewire. Uh, good evening. Uh, I want to say shame on you guys. For shame on me. Propag- yeah, sh- such propaganda because I'm an honorably discharged veteran myself. Are you saying, wait a minute, are you saying military recruiters don't lie? Uh, sir, the, the fact of the matter is that uh, ever since like the, the 50s and 60s and going way back to the inception of the military, the primary objective of the military is to go kick butt for somebody uh, a nation that is trying to harm the USA. Oh, that's funny. Now, the, the, that, now the fact of the matter is, uh, all all of mankind, all of us, myself, you, uh, anyone else, is capable of telling a lie. Uh, the the military, the recruiting stations do not, or the recruiting commands, the head commanders don't. 
promote uh, telling lies to individuals. The key thing is that when you go at 18, 17, or whatever to sign on that paper, it's the same thing. You, we all. In fact, uh, I might recommend if you've never seen the movie Full, Full Metal Jacket, you should watch it. I've because, seen it. Okay, that that is the reality. That when you go to boot camp, it's not supposed to be a country club. It's supposed to go. I don't think anybody there. said it was supposed to be a country club, sir. And you also dodged my question about military recruiters lying. No, he you didn't. said you he said they weren't encouraged to lie. Some people lie. Right. You said they weren't encouraged to lie, which is obviously the official policy. They definitely don't have an official policy that they encourage their people to lie, but they absolutely do lie. You do agree with that, right? I say yes. Some individuals are capable of that. They're okay. not told to do that from the right. So basically, they've now. lied. They've lied to kids to get them to, uh, to join the military, and then once they get into the military, there's no way for them to get out of the military. At least, no easy way to get out because they're essentially indentured servants for the next eight years. And so, once the kid finds out he has been lied to, then he's stuck there. Isn't that the case? For the most part, yes. It Sweet. Is. That's it's a cool deal. I'm sorry. Now, you a said, nice deal. Hold on. You said shame on me, and I've I've got to yes. you know I, I want to um, come back to that. The now I have an opinion that we should bring all the troops back to America um, so that they can defend this country, shrink the size of the military into a uh, a small professional force, and then have militias here in the United States to protect this country, um, rather than uh, you know, politicians sending our uh, troops around the world to protect this business interest and that business interest or whatever it is that they you know. Um, phantom that they're chasing after at this moment. Or this dictator or that dictator. Um, now, why is that shameful? Okay, well, first of all, let me give you some facts. That during the Reagan administration, I was a member of the Navy, the Navy had over 600, almost 700 ships. During the Clinton administration, the first Clinton administration, uh, it was cut down to less than 300, and it's been continuing to go down. So oh, I think it's back they, going on its way up now. I think they're no, dumping no, more they, money into talking, the military. They're, they're talking about more cuts to the Navy specifically. He's talking about the Navy, uh, Mark. Maybe okay. he's right about that. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely the fact. Uh, if you check any Well, military spending record. is going up. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So maybe they're cutting back on the Navy and, you know, bringing up more Marine stuff or Army stuff. Uh, yeah, the personnel, uh, they may have increased. But once again, as you, you would probably agree as well, that because of our current administration, who is not well favored with many people, and with, uh, like, schools, that the recruitment isn't as strong as it has been time past. I don't think you addressed uh, your point, Mark. Well, I, I'm, I'm just wondering why it's, it's shameful for me to have the opinion that the United States military should be in this country. Uh, it's, it's not shameful for it to be in this country. It's, a, it's, it's shameful that you would say that uh, people are, are being uh, cut out of their bonuses and such. Here, let me read the, that's, that's let me read the Nightline investigation to you. Do you think that Nightline's telling you, telling you lies? Probably, probably so. Look, no, you know, sure. you, can, you can brush off Nightline, but I know military members How about the Army Times? Would you like to hear Wounded and Waiting by the Army Times? Do you think they're telling you lies? No, please, read it to me. Okay, here we go. Um, slow medical evaluation process leaves many injured troops in limbo. It goes on quite um, quite a bit, but it does mention the, uh, the the point in here that, in fact, some people's bonuses are rejected while the, after they've been injured because they didn't complete their term. So there okay. you go, from the Army Times. Okay, well, I, I might add that, you know, some people may owe money because they were in debt. You know, uh, they, they could have used military credit cards as been a, a case where credit cards, uh, 
they'll they'll go purchase items that have nothing to do with their training. Are you saying you know? though it's it's are you saying that it's shameful to be critical of the military? Is it shameful it, it, to to expose uh, some of the dishonest things that they do? No, but it, it's definitely shameful to to say that the top echelon commands are telling all military recruiters no one said that no one we would have never suggested that nobody said absolutely not as a matter of fact ian was very specific he said they're like salesmen saying that actually salesmen were liars and that's where i corrected him so he was um you know that salesman is a um you know it's singular that he's saying that they're telling you know when they're telling lies 18 percent of them are brought up on charges if it was a hundred percent then we'd know it was a command issue 18 percent means you know some people are trying really hard to get their uh, numbers 18 percent means a difficult it's just time. A, a widespread problem that's all nobody ever accused the the brass of having an official policy do you have any other thoughts livewire yeah yeah if i may i'd like to add one other thing and it's, it's kind of an analogy but similar to what we're discussing uh, here it is. President Aminajab of Iran is, I think, in the United States right now, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be uh, having a discussion at Columbia University, which denies any recruiters onto their premises. Okay. Now that's kind of crazy. Interestingly, part of the reason why Columbia is saying they don't want anybody on uh, any recruiters on there is because of the "don't ask, don't tell" policy. Mm-hmm. Yet in Aminajab's own country, he. Uh, has capital punishment for, for people who are uh, gays. Well, you, know? you won't find anybody on this show uh, t- taking the side of the university system in America, right? Uh, because see, they're state funded too. I, I think there's and... a real problem with this, um, you know, with with the university system as the way it is. They all take government funds, except for Hillsdale College in in Michigan. They all take government funds, and then you know, keeping the recruiters out. I personally, if I opened a college, I wouldn't allow recruiters on my um, campus. I wouldn't be taking government funds though, but. I wouldn't be taking the government's money that they took at gunpoint from American citizens at the same time. Right. Yeah, the college campuses are uh, I mostly mean, dis- run by the, despicable the fact is, people. We have this gigantic government that's into everything. It's true. LiveWire, thanks for the call. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind to, to uh, Dave in New Hampshire. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Dave in New Hampshire. Do hey, um, is okay if I change the subject a little uh, bit? Yep, you're on Free Talk Live. Dave, what's on your mind? I had something really wild happen yesterday to me. I was um, in the grocery store, and I uh, just, uh, you know, some guy just walked up to me and he goes, "Hey, you're that guy from I've never seen him before in my life. You're that you're that guy from nh from nhfree.com. Wow, you, you're on those YouTube videos and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of us are starting to get famous or something. That is amazing. Uh, you know, that's that's that always just comes as a surprise to you, doesn't it, Mark? When people see you on uh, television and they approach you on the street, because Mark has his own TV show, which, by the way, you can see for yourself over at freekeen.com. But it's always a shock, isn't it? I it, it, it amazes me. Uh, you know, people want to talk to me about the show. Good heavens! So, did you have a good conversation with the guy? Did, uh, did you say anything else? Yeah, we talked about fifteen or twenty minutes. He said he'd been over to the forum. He was lurking. He said he, he said I'm one of these. I want libertarians around the state that are just watching and all excited about what you guys are doing. Excellent. And um, he said there's a lot of people, there's a lot of folks like me out there. That's that's what I'm counting on, as a matter of fact. And uh, and Dave, thank you for the call. And keep up the good work here in New Hampshire. He's one of the, the best activists that we have here in the state as part of the Free State Project. But I'm counting on, on what Dave said to be accurate, that there's this silent majority. There are these people out there that have just been waiting for the opportunity to get active, to get excited about liberty again, to have uh, perhaps candidates running for office that are actually principled, pro-liberty people, to give them a reason to go out and vote. I think those people are out there. I think there are indeed a lot of them. It's just that 
they don't have any reason to go out and vote for anybody because they know it's just big government candidate A versus big government candidate B. And part of what the Free State Project is doing is giving those people something to believe in, something to get excited about. And hour number two is on the way. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number two of the live Saturday edition, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. So enjoy those on us. That again, freetalklive.com. Calls, uh, the phones are loaded, so let's go to the calls and start with Eric in Michigan. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hello, Eric in Michigan. Eric. How are you guys doing? Great. Hey. What's on your mind? Okay. Uh, Ian, I think you've called yourself a voluntarist several times, and you believe in uh, voluntarism? Um, I, I like the, the uh, voluntarist movement, but I prefer the term free marketeer. I was giving it some thought, and I really don't think voluntarism means a thing, because it's completely subjective. Please explain. Okay. Um, let's say I'm in a situation where either I have to do a certain job that I'm chained to a desk or I'm chained to a machine. I work, you know... 18 hours a day, and all I can afford is rotten meat. I'm voluntarily, you know, uh, signing up for that job, but at the same time, it's not something I want to do. So it's completely based on my situation. Okay. Well, you, you got to choose to either work at that job or you could choose to forage in the woods for food. So it really, it still was a choice. It may be undesirable, but many of us start in undesirable careers. Many of us, uh, you know, when we're right out of high school, aren't working in uh, the area that we desire to work in. We don't have a, right. a people, guarantee. People to talk the... to me all the time about how they want to be a radio broadcaster. I had to work my butt off to get to where we right. are. It's been 10 years uh, for me being in this uh, this business uh, for me to get here. been five for me. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean. The idea that you can just walk right into the type of work in the exact situation that you want in life is is absolutely absurd. So no, that, you haven't I'm shot suggest- a hole in voluntarism at all. That's not what I'm suggesting. What I'm suggesting, rather, is that voluntarism uh, would only mean anything if you had every option available to you at the time. So, I don't think no, that's I disagree. true. The, I voluntarism think- is just simply about a, uh, a way of humans interacting. It's a matter of there's two different ways humans can interact with one another. You can use voluntary methods or you can use coercive methods. So you either voluntarily you're giving, organize... You're giving the government, which is full of people who, have de- who make decisions, they have choices in their life, you're giving them the status of um, a natural disaster or you know, uh, you know, like a natural force. And that's not entirely fair, do you think? I'm not, I'm not suggesting the government is the solution to it. I'm just suggesting that voluntarism well, I'm, I'm just saying, mean a whole well, lot. You're, you're saying that hunger is driving somebody to do something, um, you know, is, is cho- making you choose a job that's crappy. Um, but hunger and the government aren't on the same playing field. Hunger isn't caused by any human beings that have choices, whereas the government is caused by human beings that have choices. Well, let's put it this way. If I uh, am in a voluntary society and I choose to do that job where I'm chained to the machine for 18 hours a day and all I can afford is rotten meat, or if the government gives me a job, or if it forces me to do a job, but I'm paid well and I can afford to live well, is voluntarism any better in that situation simply because you voluntarily chose to go into the agreement where you work with the machine for 18 hours a day? Nobody, well, nobody better or worse really isn't the issue. When um, you know, it's been it's been said many times that uh, once you give the people the power to vote themselves a raise or to vote themselves, uh, you know, capital and good things for their lives, that a democracy shot. And that's sort of how it goes. I mean, you know, people 
have managed to vote themselves in uh, Social Security, which is a retirement uh, plan that taxes people that are working in order to pay people that aren't working that didn't uh, plan for their retirement and that kind of thing. Um, it, you know, same with social welfare programs, all these kinds of, of things. So it's not really better. It's not an issue of better or worse. It's an issue of voluntary or not. Right. It's an issue of how humans should interact with one another. Now, I'm no voluntarist. I'm just a small government Republican. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it is an issue of better or worse, though, because we've got a choice between two different types of government here. You've got... Uh, Socialism, or you've got, uh, you know... But socialism's been, been proven pretty pretty soundly to fail every time. Mm-hmm. Well, you could argue with the reasons for that. I, I would say that it has to do more with uh, the establishment of prices, you know, not having a free market to do that. Well, the reasons, the reasons why socialism pay. fails is because they're using coercion on people. When you use force on people, it inevitably has unintended consequences. And, of course, we've outlined many of those unintended consequences. You pick your government program, we'll outline the un- mm-hmm. unintended consequences. So, yeah, I mean, voluntarism doesn't guarantee anything to you. All it simply guarantees, is, the only thing it guarantees, is that people will interact with you without pointing a gun to your head. Or without threatening violence, it's a, it's a voluntary order instead of a coercive order, and that's that's all that we're talking about. You're certainly correct there. I I, I just think that in some situations it may actually be better to be in a, a system in which you're forced to do something which is better for you than a system in which you are free to do something which is god awful for you, and that's your only choice. You're certainly welcome to have that opinion. Thanks for the call, Eric. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Those aren't the choices, though. Capitalism's been shown time and time again to produce a better standard of living for people. The fact that's that's the fact. Socialism doesn't produce anything. Fact, capitalism just, is such a you know such a nasty word these days. The free marketplace is you know really people fine. in search of profit. I don't have a problem with the term capitalism. Yeah. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I see where Eric's coming from. He he's envisioning in his mind the perfect force scenario that somehow you could utilize force and somehow benefit people's lives, but the ends do not justify the means. It's never okay to force people to do things that they don't want to do, nor is it okay to force them to not do the things that they want to do. And that's what government does. That's what all of its rules and regulations and programs are all about. It's one of those two things. You're forcing people to do things they don't want to do or not to do things that they do want to do. And that's wrong. Every single time. I don't care what the outcome is. I don't care the fact that you might create a few jobs for people. Stop using force. But, um, you know, what works and doesn't, what doesn't work is very important to people. It's very important. Look, if you can have this whole voluntary system, like he says, you know, you have the choice of working at a job but eating rotten meat, or you uh, can it's be coerced. Absurd. It's it, absurd. It, it is absurd because the fact is that, um, you know, people in a free market system that are able to make choices that are best for their lives have have proven time and time again that they raise the standard of living for everyone. Right. Uh, you know, we were just talking, Julia and I were talking about this recently about how just amazing, amazingly wealthy we are in this country. I mean, the, the poor people in America, their problem isn't starving to death. Right. It's obesity. <laughs> it's which one of their three colored televisions to throw away. I just think about, I mean, I was just thinking about it the other day. I was, I was pulling a micro- microwavable uh, piece of food out of the uh, the freezer. I was just thinking about how awesome and how wealthy that that makes me. The ability, I being able to pull out a microwavable package from the freezer and pop it into a little machine for, you know, 30 seconds to uh, two minutes and have hot piping food in front of me to shovel shovel down my throat makes me wealthier than any king from 200 or 300 years ago. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> to, just to, incredible. To, to make the... Um, I, I've heard people make the analogy that the jungle... Um, I, 
Upton Sinclair, mm-hmm. prove that, uh, in fact, uh, you know, laissez-faire capitalism didn't work. Okay, somebody wrote a fiction book, and that proved something. <laughs> um, I suppose that uh, 1984 proved that socialism doesn't work, too. Um, but in which case, we can, you know, put them, we can put them at odds with each other. But um, Charles Dickens wrote about how things were for Oliver Twist 300 years ago in mm. a uh, poor house and an orphanage growing up and how crappy it was. Well, 300 years ago, people rich and poor were all going outside and, and using the bathroom in a hole they had dug in the ground or somebody else had dug in the ground. Right. I mean, that's how it was. So things are a lot better now. And the reason they're a lot better is people inventing things, uh, people getting those inventions to other people and making a profit in the pr- right. process. They wanted to get Thank rich. God for capitalism. Absolutely. 1-800-259-9231. Before you go on, um, and, and are you taking a call? Well, I'm going to, I'm but sorry. if you uh, want to make on. a point. I, I, um, about what we were talking about last hour, I have right here, uh, talking about Tyson Johnson of Mobile, Alabama, from ABC News. His injuries forced him out of the military, and the Army demanded he repay an enlistment bonus of $2,700 because he only served two-thirds of his three-year tour. Mm. So, there you go. ABC News says it's so. It is so, then. Call them, call them a liberal rag if you wish. ABC but News, I don't think you can really call a liberal rag. I, I would say ABC News is one of the most, is probably the most fair and balanced of news sources. I don't know what, what's fair and what's balanced as far as they go, but come on. They're the They'd only... They'd get in big trouble if they made a statement like that, and it wasn't true. It's true. Uh, 800-259-9231. You, mean, you can obviously pigeonhole Fox News into the right side of the aisle, and some people would say CNN to the left side, but I mean, when I watch ABC Fox News, News is all the I only see... one with any libertarian reporting on it at oh, all. When I see Fox News, all I ever see is softcore porn, that they're talking about how bad it is. <laughs> I mean, they have... And they keep replaying the same The uh, same clip over and over again as some hot girl doing something. Let's go to the phones to the Amplifier line. Talk to Brad in New Hampshire. Brad, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. What's on your mind? Hey, I just had the funniest image of you, Ian, taking your hungry man dinner chicken uh, out of the microwave and sprinkling your MSG on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds <Healthy>. likely. <laughs> MSG-licious. Healthy. Hey, listen, uh, I wanted to spin the conversation a little bit back to the airport issue that you talked about last night. All right. I'm, okay, well, we'll get to that. Hang on, dude. We'll bring it back. 800-259-9231. Also, not only can I pull something out of the microwave, I can also pick up a phone and punch a few numbers and then within 10 minutes have piping hot food to go and pick up. Or I can go out and sit down and people will bring food to me. I mean, how amazing is this? I think we're all spoiled these days. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Say call CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are totally free. So enjoy those on us. And some of those features include archives, an entire year's worth of the show, front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Just go and get them. They're for free at freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like setting up a corporation or limited liability company. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. As we go back to Brad in New Hampshire on the Amplifier line. Uh, Brad, you wanted to, I guess, rehash or uh, make some points on the airport controversy. Of course, happened in Boston yesterday morning. A young lady, 19-year-old college student from MIT, walked into the airport. Actually, from what I understand, she was actually getting ready to leave the airport by the time the encounter happened. Uh, Boston police surrounded her, airport police surrounded her, pointed submachine guns at her as they attempted to uh, assess the situation. And you wanted to comment on that. 
Yeah, I want to spark a little debate, but before I go on, I'll, I will. There wasn't say, enough debate last night. We spent an hour and a half on it. <laughs> well, you have to. You'll have to give me a break. I'm a day behind, so I got to okay. catch up. Um, I, before I start off, I'll say that I, I uh, in the interest of honesty, I completely agree with Mark's stance on the issue. But let me start off with a question for the both of you. Do either of you believe that, say, for instance, it's 95 degrees out? Can you walk into a bank with a ski mask on? No. Do you think, do you, think you can lawfully do that? I don't know if it's lawful or not, but I can't imagine the bank is going to be too interested in giving you service. It's highly inappropriate. Well, I, I will tell you, if you do that, you are most likely going to get arrested, um, either for creating a uh, false public alarm or disorderly mm-hmm. conduct. What if the ski mask is art? <laughs> well, I mean, how about this? Talk to 100 people and ask them. You're standing in a bank, standing in, you know, standing in line to speak to the teller, and someone comes walking in, it's 95 degrees out, and they're wearing a ski mask. I bet you if you ask 100 people, 95-plus of them are going to uh, say, oh, my God, the place is going to get robbed. It, it would I have that right feel to it. That. Sure. So um, with, with that in mind, uh, I'm trying to put the, the, whole, uh, the whole art thing in perspective. Um, when you're in an airport, you simply can't utter uh, your, your freedom of speech isn't the same as if you're not in the airport, simply because of the, 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 day, the day we live in. I mean, you can't say, uh, you just can't yell bomb, but then again, you can't do that anywhere. Um, but certainly in an airport, it's heightened. I, I would certainly uh, like um, wearing something that could resemble some sort of improvised explosive device um, when you're in an airport to if you walk into a bank with a ski mask on. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, uh, but then again, you know, walking into the bank with a ski mask on isn't really something anyone's going to do accidentally, uh, unless it's really cold outside, in which case then it might be uh, understandable. Uh, but, you know, if it's a hot summer day and you're walking into the bank with a ski mask on, you've done that on purpose. Whereas many well, people were saying, this young lady wore this sweater every single, you know, every other day. She, well, she w- I understand what you're saying. She wore that at MIT. And it looks like, for all intents and purposes, this was some kind of sweater that she created for a club of people that like blinking, flashing uh, computer exactly. boards. Exactly. But did not look like a things, bomb at all. The things that you can do, say, at a shooting range, aren't the same things that you can do at an airport. So the same things that you can do at MIT aren't the same things that you can do at the airport. There's Absolutely. differences. Things are appropriate. Like, you can wear a ski mask on That's a ski fine. slope or I'm when it's saying, freezing. I'm not saying I have a problem with the security checking her out. What I do have a problem with is having uh, some machine guns aimed at this young lady. They could have at least, I mean, I don't know exactly how it went down, but knowing how, tri- uh, how you know, on edge these airport cops are, I presume they were, they, from the, the way the articles were, were written, it sounds as though they were pointed at her as opposed to maybe being aimed at the floor to where they could then raise them if indeed there was some sort of an issue that they needed to use them on. That seemed to be excessive. And also, once they did ascertain that this is indeed a, a simply just a sweatshirt with a funny little piece of art on the front of it, they should have just apologized and let her go. But no, they had to charge her with, you know, planning a hoax device or whatever, now, which is absolutely I, I, absurd. Now, you... I don't want to hear what you have to say. I want to hear what Brad has to say on that. <laughs> well, I, I think, um, first off, personally, I think it would be highly unlikely that someone would have a bomb with flashing LED lights and, you know, draw attention to it. Yes, exactly. But I, but, but at the same time, um, you have to remember um, 
you know, this is the day and age that we live in. And if, in fact, um, I believe Mark said yesterday, well, what if it was a bomb? You know, if, if it is a bomb, you know, say, for instance, this, this person um, wanted to draw attention to themselves and, you know, wanted to carry a bomb that had LED lights on it. Mm-hmm. If, if it was a bomb, um, you know, on the approach of government agents, the, the police, um, certainly that could cause someone to trigger it. And, you know, sure. if, someone, if someone is carrying a, a bomb, that certainly is a deadly force situation for law enforcement. And, and I truly believe if, if she had made a furtive movement t- towards the device that she had on her, that, that law enforcement would have been justified in, in using deadly force because, you know, these guys don't know, and, and you, you know, they have a split second. Once again, Brad, I understand, I understand that point, and I, and I, can, I can sympathize with that in that mm-hmm. they, need to, they need to assess the situation. They need to come to understand that, indeed, this isn't a bomb, or if it is, they need to find that out, too. And if, indeed, a furtive moment, a movement is made, then, sure, that would be an appropriate response. Well, but, but the, and the, she I'm, didn't make those movements, and she was uh, cooperating with them, so... Why on earth do we need to charge this young lady with something? Simply well, apologize, ask her not to do it again, and then move on. I, I guess I really don't have any argument as far as the, the charging is concerned, but what, what my, the argument I'm trying to make is that I believe it's completely reasonable for, for the officers to have their firearms out and even, um, even um, aimed at this person. Because if someone does have a bomb, you know, what would it take? A second to press a button on your chest and... You know, um, it only takes a fraction of a second to raise your firearm from pointing at the floor to pointing at somebody's chest or head. You know that. That's not well, something that takes very long. And you also should know that there have been instances where the cops have had their guns trained on suspects. They've, you know, one cop has had his uh, figure, uh, finger tr- uh, slip into the trigger, and they've offed people. I mean, we had a story about a, a, a guy that I think it was an optometrist that was running an office pool, and they, he was, for some reason, investigated for uh, illegal gambling. They sent a SWAT team in to raid this guy's office, an optometrist's office. The SWAT team had him at gunpoint, and somebody slipped and accidentally shot this man in the head. His brain spilled onto the carpet as he died. I don't we think talk you about can, unnecessary. I don't think you can compare these two. This girl, Pointing guns at a suspect is what I'm talking about, a, a right. non-violent suspect who has not given you any reason to use any sort but, of deadly force. Uh, in, in this case, they had guns drawn on a suspect that they believed had a bomb. And as as Brad pointed out, and as I pointed out, indeed, if she had a bomb, she would have set it off, and it really, I mean, it would have mattered their guns being drawn at that point. Hey, Ian, how about this one? All right, say for instance, she walked into the airport and she had a she had a gun in her hand and she was pointing it down at the ground. Do you think it would be unreasonable for the police to approach her? Do you think the officers should have their firearms pointed at the ground also, or do you think it would be okay? for them to point them at her. I, well, I, I think if it's a gun in her hand, then you've obviously ascertained that there is a threat there. This was nothing... This was no, obviously but, not... No, you an, haven't. That gun could be full of um, full of lead. It could be a replica. It could be a, it could if be you a see toy. A, if you see a gun in an airport, you presume that it is indeed a if real gun. If you see gun. a bomb in the airport, this you was assume not a bomb. that it's a real bomb. This was well, not a bomb. The, and it they didn't thought look it, like apparently a bomb. thought it did. Well, they need was. a little bit more bomb training then, because look, they're idiots. It, according to Ian, a cop can never do anything right. So forget it, Brad. That's not true. You're worth you're just you're you're looking in the wrong direction. Well, I uh, you know I, I think that the officers were were justified in what they did. It, it's too bad that you know that this young girl was you know put herself in this situation, but you know she really did put herself in this situation. I hope so, that if she didn't mean to do it, that she doesn't get found guilty of she was walking, committing a hoax. Walking around through the airport for a while, and she was actually getting ready to leave by the time all of this went down. Thanks for the call. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, the live Saturday edition. Toll-free number for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. And that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free. All kinds of great stuff, including the wiki with over 1,400 pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive. wiki.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does this bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest's mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. Before we return to the phone calls, we're uh, once again on the topic about the airport bomb scare yesterday from Logan International Airport in Boston. And uh, we were discussing this extensively on last night's show. And so I've never want... received so much hate mail. If Really? Yeah. I didn't get a single piece of hate mail. Huh, funny thing. But that's because you're, you're taking the, the stance that you normally take. Well, I've got quite I'm a taking bit of... the pro-freedom stance, and you're taking the pro-fascist stance. Oh, i got pl- plenty of people supporting me, too. Oh, I'm do just you? saying that both sides. I see. Uh, well, the caller supported me. Here's one from Chris. Uh, he emails in, guys, just to let you know, I know... Uh, Mike, he writes this to you. He CC'd it to me. Mark, just to let you know, I know Star personally. Star is the young lady that was held at gunpoint uh, for having a, a, a piece of, I don't know, some sort of punch punch block with a a battery and some LEDs on her chest. He says, I know Star personally. I met her at MIT, and we worked together in the same department. Your comments yesterday made me ill. You have no idea what happened or why she was at the airport, yet you talk like you know everything. If it weren't the fact that she's been advised not not to speak to the press, I'd probably be able to get her to call the show later today. I would just love to listen to you swallow your tongue. Around MIT, as you might wear a watch or have keys in your pocket, just as you might wear a watch or have keys in your pocket, people here have various gadgets that they make. And just as you don't think your watch is unusual, people at MIT don't believe that wires and LEDs are unusual either. He says, as I understand it, she sewed a breadboard to her shirt so as to make herself memorable to recruiters at campus yesterday. She pulled an all-nighter and then went to, her, uh, to the airport to meet her friend Tim, who apparently is also a friend of his. So who knows, Mark? Maybe we'll actually end up getting this young lady on the show someday. And then you can harangue her all you want. Well, I, look, as all I'm telling you... You call her stupid when she's actually on the phone. How about that? You don't think you, she'll do that? I'm going to ask her if, I think, if she think there's, thinks that it was a foolish mistake. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Mike in Florida. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live listening on WFTL. Hello there. Yeah, I want to know. If it was a bomb and they did shoot her, how many of, of the officers would have been taken out? Are you presuming the, uh, that she would have been able to trigger it after she was uh, shot? If she was shot, it must have gone off. It must have got off at the same time she was shot. You ain't well, gonna be a fool and walk in there. She's not worried about losing her life if she is going to. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, they should have already been able to tell that she wasn't a dangerous threat when she didn't respond in a dangerous manner when she was approached. If I'm going to blow something up, a number one, I'm going to conceal the bomb, not wear it hanging outside of my sweatshirt. And number two, if indeed I am identified prior to being able to uh, to to pull off my plans, I'll go ahead and detonate the bomb early because I was going to die anyway. I might as well take out some cops while I'm at it. Exactly. Yep. It's just it, these cops are just absolutely out of control. Mike, do you have any other thoughts? 
No, that was it. Thanks. The only thing that makes it funny is they're right there standing to where you don't know how big of the bomb could go off and how far it's going to blow. But if you're there to kill yourself, why worry? Yeah, I mean, the fact is, she was walking all around the airport prior to this incident. She was preparing to leave. She'd stopped in at an information desk to find out if her friend was still in the airport, and she was getting ready to leave. So if indeed she was a mad bomber, she had had plenty of time to walk around with this thing just hanging right there on her chest. Into the crowd. Yep, exactly right. Thanks for no crowd. Thank you for the call, Mike. We appreciate it. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. So let's talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, yeah, you know the similarities and differences between going to Pork Fest and going to Bingo. Porkfest is the yearly gathering of the Free State Project at a campground here in New Hampshire. Okay, what is it now? And going to bingo. Okay. See, people go to pork fest, and they have they, uh, and people go to bingo. They talk to, they socialize with their kind of people, mm-hmm. and they have a good time. Okay, so there's some similarities there. Sure. The big difference is, what kind of people? See, you go to pork fest, and you've got intelligent people, and they understand a lot of the stuff that you know people talk about on your program, and uh, you go to bingo, and you meet the kind of people we're up against. A whole bunch of fat, stupid, ugly old ladies that watch soap operas and read tabloids and don't know the metric system, which is fine. Okay? Have you fine. been spending time in bingo halls recently? I mean, <laughs> I went to bingo many years ago. I went to bingo, and uh, yet, you know, it's uh, you really have to go there to, to fully grasp just how stupid a lot of registered voters are. See, that's you know, the Tom, I, I had to, I at one time was like you. I used to feel like people were, you know, certain people were stupid. And I'm sure there are stupid people in America, but I think that most Americans are just ignorant. They're just uninformed. They're unenlightened. And I think there's a big difference between being stupid, which is sort of a permanent condition, and being ignorant, which is just simply a lack of information. Well, I, they want to be ignorant, though. I mean, if you try to explain to them about, like, the discrepancy between the plain language of the United States Constitution and the judicial misinterpretations upholding blatantly unconstitutional federal statutes that clearly overstep the enumerated powers of Congress, they got no idea what you're talking about. Well, and they I didn't mean, come they, to they, the bingo hall to talk about the issues. But, but they, they, they can't talk about these things any place because, they, you see, the problem... Isn't that they've you know what, Tom? To it is okay. Dumb. It's okay though because they're going to die soon. So why you're even trying to recruit old ladies into the movement? I'm not really sure. Well, the problem isn't that they've chosen to be stupid. The problem is that they get to vote in our elections, where we're trying to elect candidates who support liberty and justice for all. And what do they do? There's a whole lot more of them than there is of us. What do you propose and to do about it? Don't tell me you're well, going to advocate killing old ladies now, Tom, please. I, I never advocate killing anybody. Uh, but <laughs> anyway... You don't consider the, cops to be anybody? I never advocated killing cops either. Hmm. But, You've certainly beat uh, around the bush. Anyway, what I'm trying to get at is you can see the clear futility of trying to educate those kinds of voters. So therefore, See, this is what motivates some people, some freedom fighters, to 
teach those voters a lesson because you know teaching somebody a lesson by definition is educating them and if those fat stupid ugly old ladies reelect a candidate who for state senate who supports the war on drugs and then they wake up the next morning and they don't have a police department because the freedom fighters took that weapon away from them that would teach them a lesson and i think that's what motivates some of these cop killers to go out and take that kind of action Interesting perspective, Tom. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Maybe that is what motivates the cop killers, but I doubt it. I doubt that anybody that's going out there killing a cop is trying to rid the world of police so the old ladies, uh, you know, a few ignorant old ladies will be upset. It seems like a stretch. I I don't think there's a lot of cop killers. Um, Usually they're when they seem, it seems to me when police uh, die in the line of duty, it's because they've run across some criminal who's would prefer to die than. um, Right. There, there's no uh, group of criminals out there going out offing police. It's just not happening. It could happen. In fact, that's something I wanted to talk about. We we might get to in hour number three is this so-called war on drugs point out some very very clear factors as to how there is no war on drugs but we might get to it but first we've got to go to your phone calls and talk to bob in florida bob you're on free talk live listening on wftl hello yes uh, on your mind very very interesting show tonight uh we have a very big uh, scandal here in, in uh, south florida here uh, oh boy there's a uh, a lawyer who stole from these asbestos uh, poisoning claims he stole uh, 13 million dollars from innocent people some who had died since then how did he but, do that well, he, he, just, he just sued the asbestos companies, and he got the uh, got the claim money, and put it into his uh, uh, into his trust fund, and then he used his trust fund for all kinds of things. He bought a, uh, mansions in Key Biscayne. He uh, bought all kinds of uh, jets, all kinds of equipment, went a lavish uh, lifestyle, and then when people kept on writing to the uh, Florida bar complaining that this guy has got the money, but it, the Florida bar didn't do anything about it. Hmm. So now, you know, the guy is going through a divorce, and his wife squealed on him, told him, or his ex-wife squealed on him. Wow. What's his name? Uh, Louis Robles. Well, unbelievable O-B-L-E-S. story, Bob. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231, and it is the live Saturday edition of the program. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are for free. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then you should consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about the program. It stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is simple. You send in three bucks a month via PayPal or any major credit card or some of our alternative payment options, and we take that in and we turn it around into promoting the show to getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations uh, across the country. We've got 30 stations now signed to, uh, to air this program. 29 mm. of them are are actually airing the show, the 30th coming on within the next few weeks after baseball season is over. And, uh, you know, it's going to increase because of our amplifiers, because of listeners like you contributing voluntarily to the show, because we give away all the website features for free. Go ahead and compare Free Talk Live's web features to the other guys in the radio business, the Limbaugh's and the Hannity's and all those guys, and I think you'll see a drastic difference. Number one, we've got all the, you know, the features they've got, and ours are free. So if you like that, then head over to amp.freetalklive.com. In fact, some some can make the argument that we have more features for free on our site than those other guys have in their payment areas. Go to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more and to get on board with the program. That's amp.freetalklive.com as we go to the phones, to the fund. Chris in Georgia. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, I just wanted to see if you guys have heard about 
Fuad Katie. Blue eyed Katie. Blue eyed Katie. Uh, no, Fuad Katie. He is a uh, he's a 19 year old man uh, that was he was in a car accident, and uh, several people called the police, which was the probably the the biggest mistake they could have made. It <laughs> seems to be uh, that way. Yeah, uh, this this guy was in a horrible state. By the cops' own words, when they got there, uh, he he was completely naked. He was bloody from head to toe, and he was burned so badly that uh, the skin was hanging off his body. Why was he naked? Was he driving naked, or did the clothes get burned uh, off? I, they they didn't say. This is this is actually linked on uh, Lou Rockwell's blog. Okay. Uh, there's a five part video on there, and um, uh, don't know why he was naked, but. Uh, uh, the cops were trying to get him to comply by make, trying to get him to lie down on the concrete. So he was up and about with uh, his skin sort of almost hanging off. I mean, well, well, he w- actually when they got there, he was sitting on a curb, mm-hmm. and um, so he he was he wasn't doing anything. He was totally bloody. Right after um, a car wreck. Yes. Okay. And uh, uh, eventually, because he was he was physically unable to comply with their commands. Uh, what were they yelling at him for? What was the excuse? Uh, well, they were saying, uh, I guess they have audio from, I, I guess it's their debriefing after the incident. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, uh, one of the cops was saying, uh, all I could think was, I can't let this guy near me. You know, because I, I don't want to, I don't want to get AIDS or. Because he looked or, like he was in really oh, bad shape. Jeez. Yeah, he, well, the, he was. Oh, by like I said. Sorry, that's uh, one of the things we pay you guys for. I mean, (laughs) well, uh, so uh, eventually, when the guy was unable to comply because of his condition, right, they tasered him. (laughs) Tasered him till he died. Uh, Well, actually, uh, they they tasered him, and when when that didn't get the desired effect, whatever that was, they shot him to death. Yeah, I I saw the video. Oh my gosh! But yeah. Yes. You, you didn't see this. This is news to me. Fuad Kaidi. Yeah. So he's uh, like Middle Eastern? Uh, something. I'm guessing. So that's the reason why, do you think that's one of the factors as to why they were treating him this way? I don't think they way? could have ta- told at that point. It, was he that burnt? Exactly. I, that, that was my thought. I don't, from, from what the cops said, it doesn't look like you could tell what his nationality was. This is madness. He didn't have a weapon, right? Exactly. <laughs> Unless you consider arm. the uh, skin hanging off of his body a weapon. Right. Wow, can you can you call nine one one and only ask for an ambulance? Like, please do not send the cops. I don't want to die here. I mean, right? What? They they, they even have the nine one one calls in the videos. Uh, when they when the nine one one dispatcher answers, they say, "Is this uh, uh, fire, police, or whatever?" And they they everybody said police for some unknown reason. So uh, that resulted in his death. Well, you know, even if you do call in for an ambulance, there have been stories. Uh, we read one not too long ago on the show where uh, someone called in. Uh, there, I think it was diabetic shock. Anyway, somebody was in trouble. They did need an ambulance. And the, while the medics did arrive, so did a couple cops who then went in and proceeded to tase the person. Uh, so right. It just seems like I, don't, I can't, even, can't even imagine what was going through these cops' heads. Well, the, one of the things they kept saying was, that uh, they were trying to dehumanize him, saying that he was growling and 
they even said at one point that he jumped from the ground to the roof of the police car. Excuse me? Yes. The video doesn't show anything like that. No, it do- it doesn't show anything. It's mostly uh, a uh, man dying. Shots of the cops. Um, wow. I, I don't yeah. even know. I mean, what can you say about this? This is awful. Yeah. It's this horrible. is one of the most awful police abuse stories I've ever heard. Okay, here's the inevitable question. Has any of the police department, I mean, how new is this, first off? And then secondly, uh, how has any of the police department uh, officers involved been punished in any way? Well, uh, it says this happened on September 8th. Uh, one of the cops is back to work, and the other one is still on uh administrative leave these uh, people are a menace to, to society <laughs> exactly they need to be put behind bars for this i mean yeah. how could anybody is there anybody out there that's listening to the uh, the facts in this case and going to take the side of the police in this one i'd like to hear from you at 800-259-9231 i'd like to hear more about it all i've ever seen is this one video and you know it is a video from the scene it, it is it and i didn't get to see the whole thing I, it was, was rather long, lengthy um it doesn't. It it it, does, it didn't leave me uh, feeling conclusive, and it just it's such an outrageous, crazy story. I I I, I don't know. I'd like to see something in black and white. Just amazing, Chris. Did you have any other thoughts? Uh, no, that was it. Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate the story. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. What? Mm. The man got into a car accident, and you pull tasers out, and then you shoot him to death. With your firearms? What? I mean, maybe he was growling. Maybe he was trying to speak, but was a little bit, oh, I don't know, thrown off his game by the fact that he just got into a car wreck and had his skin burned. Seems likely. You know, I might, I might find myself making a few guttural noises at that point. I think I could find myself in a, a condition or a Seems state excusable. like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It doesn't sound like the police were being very courteous or professional or respectful at all. In this case, that, that's it, it's it's bizarre. I sincerely hope it isn't the way it appears. Um, I, I would like to know more about this case. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to the amp line to puke in New Hampshire. Puke, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Good evening, guys. What's on your mind, puke? Uh, I wanted to comment some on the uh, back from hour one, the whole military recruiting and such. Okay, yeah, let's just recap. Uh, there were, we were talking about some of the lies that happen in the process of military recruiting, and right. one of the things that Alternet.org was pointing out is that there have been some instances, uh, or actually you had pointed out uh, via instant message, that in uh, some cases, guys that you knew apparently had uh, they had gotten wounded and they'd been discharged, oh. and they, they they weren't they weren't people that I knew. Was, okay, I had read a news story. I see. And where was the source of the news story? I don't remember. Because uh, Mark just, just one read one from things. the uh, from the Army Times not too long ago. I got ABC News directly yeah. stated what Puke said. Right, and just to recap, what that was is that uh, people that had gotten an enlistment bonus, the Army had demanded, or the military demanded that they pay their enlistment bonus back because they got wounded and had to be discharged before their four years were up. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's stuff like that that happens that doesn't get a lot of press that I think should. Um you know, and and then then the other guy called in and said that uh, you know they they wouldn't the the upper command wouldn't tell recruiters to lie and all this stuff and that that's not true. You, you know, I mean, just because they're officers doesn't mean obviously there's some good ones, but it doesn't mean that there aren't ones out there that are telling their recruiters to do whatever they can to get those numbers up. And uh, I think that I, maybe that's so. I don't know. It's it's speculation entirely. It, it it's just an assessment, but. 
you know, um, some people will, when given quotas and goals, some salespeople will lie in order to get there, and some people will just do their job very well in order to get there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, it's it's kind of a gray area because and, and at the same time, you know, recruiters don't know everything about the Army either. They're just – How could they? You know, they're just they're doing their job kind of. Uh, most of them volunteer for the positions anyway and, you know, they they're a real life. for a cushy job. Uh, the, the one thing – one thing that I did know that was true was the uh, telling recruiters or recruits that they wouldn't go to Iraq if they enlisted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a best friend and his brother join the National Guard, and the recruiter told them that. And, yep. of course, as soon as they went to their unit, you know, the unit is the one that controls that. Hmm. Um, Surprise! Then, yeah, right. And then also there's a, uh, a website that I found recently called Iraq Veterans Against the War. And uh, it's an organization... People should go uh, there and visit it. More on the way. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. All right, later. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the live Saturday edition, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are for free, so enjoy those on us. That is freetalklive.com. On the way, we might talk about the war on drugs or, again, whatever you want. Let's go to the phones first and talk to Rodney in Texas. Uh, listening on uh, the, I guess, We the People Radio Network. Hello, Rodney. Hey, good evening, guys. What's uh, on your mind? Yeah, well, I heard you talking about uh, where you made a very, what I consider a very interesting statement when you said uh, these police officers are a menace to society. Well, I and think I these police you. officers were, was referring to those particular ones that had done that. We're talking, uh, just for those tuning in, we were talking about some cops that arrived on the scene of a, a car accident where a man had been partially burned, or I guess a, a fairly well burned, and was sitting on the side of the road at the time the police arrived. The police then began ordering him to do things, and as you might imagine, after a traumatic car accident, you're a little, well, out of it. And since he didn't uh, respond to their orders, they then tased him, and then following the tasing, they shot him to death. Well, well, just to add to what you what you were saying, uh, actually, uh, I don't know if you guys seen the article that was in the Washington Post, December seventh, two thousand six, where in fact the uh, FBI and Robert Mueller they actually uh, agree with what you were saying that uh, uh, police officers and public officials in general are a menace to society. What they discovered is that there has been a thirty percent surge. And these sort of activities nationwide. So the this FBI? Is not just, I, yeah, this was in, I'll give you the exact article, is Washington Post. I believe Post, you. I believe you. I, just, I, find it, I find it shocking the FBI would come out as critical of local police uh, departments. Yeah, and especially on December 7th. Uh, but but none, nonetheless, it was there, and they even said it was, it's been a 30% surge in the corruption and this sort of... Uh, like you said, I mean, the diminishing behavior by these police officers. I think you can blame most of it on the war on drugs. Sure can. I, I think uh, if you look, and this is just my opinion, but I, it's an educated opinion, at the the training and the handbooks uh, you know, that, that uh, these police officers are trained with, 
it would probably make your hair stand up and turn white. It is. Uh, it's very militarized. Um, I mean, anybody yes. that's been paying attention to the police for the past couple of decades knows that it's been going. Uh, the The amount of militarization of the police has been staggering. It, it continues to increase. Uh, there are no longer peace officers in America. We have law enforcement officers who, many of them, uh, you know, enforce whatever laws they're told to enforce without any question. Perfect example of that has to be after Hurricane Katrina when. When U.S. law enforcement officers were going door-to-door confiscating people's weapons in direct violation of the Second Amendment to the Constitution uh, of the United States, the Bill of Rights. And if the cops are a military force, what, who are they fighting against and what land are they occupying? Can, can I give you one more example? Sure. Right down there during the Hurricane Katrina, and this has been documented by the Associated Press, when uh, you had uh, a lot of blacks, in uh, Louisiana trying to escape the ravages of Hurricane Katrina. They had only only the one route out of there, and that was the uh, Crescent City the Crescent yep. Bridge there. And uh, I know they that you guys heard the police officers literally held shotguns and machine guns on those people and forced them to stay there and risk their lives because they had been ordered to. So this is not just your imagination or my imagination this is documented. This is the way these guys have been trained, and they've been trained to deal with you and I and the rest of the American public uh, like, uh, I don't know. Like uh, dogs. Uh, uh, like collateral. You know, we're, we're, we're dogs. We're yep. collateral. You, you know, what, you might find this interesting. If you go to theagitator.org, you'll find, I think there's an interactive map there with several incidents. Uh, Radley Balco, it shows all the different violent police encounters uh, that were totally unnecessary, you know, where the police raided the wrong house and killed the 92-year-old woman in a suspected drug raid and so on and so forth. These types of raids happen 40,000 times a year. Now, they're not always the wrong house, uh, but the fact is these paramilitary police raids are happening more often than you might even think. Rodney, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. And if you sit out there and you tell yourself, well, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't have anything to hide. Well, I don't mind. I mean, the police are doing a good job out there. We're going to keep ourselves safe. You know what? Your family could be next. And you might not even be there when it happens. When the police kick in your uh, your wife or your husband's door while you're at work, they kick in the door, they fire flashbangs that set the house on fire, which we talked about a story about that uh, just over a week ago on this show. Set the house on fire, they come in, they kill the family dog, they shoot your they husband. Like to do that. They shoot your husband to death because he was going for his wallet. Uh, and you know, then they find out, oops, we meant to raid the same number house, but on the next street over. Or <laughs> Oops, we meant to raid duplex A instead of duplex B. And, I mean, these these cases happen. People lose their lives, and it's very rare that the police even get a slap on the hand. In many cases, they get uh, they get investigated, and while they're being investigated, uh, they get put on paid leave. They it's, get to go on a vacation. It's the watching the hen house with these uh, um, internal investigation things. It, it is out of control, and, Mark, you're absolutely right. The war on drugs was the number one reason that this started to happen in the first place, but now it's happening because... Because of terrorism and immigration. So those are the two new excuses they're going to have to be kicking in people's doors. And then you've got Supreme Court cases that when people challenge what the police are doing, when, which is rare, it's rare that the people will take uh, police to court, but when they actually challenge it, the courts take the sides of the police, of course, because it's the government. The government loves to increase its own power. So the courts back up the cops, and now we've got a situation in this country where the police can come up to your door. They don't even have to knock anymore before they come in. They can just 
you know, bust your door pretty much right in and uh, raid into your home, and they have absolutely no culpability and no responsibility. Police, and then wait a reasonable amount of time, which could be like five seconds. Two, two seconds, three seconds is is totally appropriate these days. The Supreme Court has backed them up on this. It's just nutso. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to David in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live, David. Hey guys, uh, I was wanting to call in. I, I hate being a dead horse. You talked about it for over an hour yesterday, but I uh, wanted to call in about the thing that happened in Boston, the uh, uh, fake bomber yes. ordeal. I wanted to say first that it's beautiful how some things can come together on your show because Mark started on one side, you started on another, and you each kind of conceded a little bit until each of you had gotten almost where I, where I was thinking he should have been. All right, so where should people I'm not be on this? I'm perfect. What, what I think the big problem on your side end is you kept referring to it as a no-win situation. And they're, you know, whoever's protecting them, even if it's a private security, their job is to not turn a no-win situation into a loss. So they're going to take whatever extent they're allowed to to see this out. And I, I, I don't know that I agree, you know, rushing her or anything like that, but at the same time, if someone had just gone up to her and said, oh, we think you might have had a bomb, that would have been a loss if, they, if she had had a bomb. You know, try to stop her, and if she does, you know, almost what they did, which from what I heard on your show is get her to a point where if she makes a move, you're going to try to kill her. If she still blows up, oh, well, you know, it was going to happen. Um, you know, I hate that it would have put her in a dangerous situation, but something might have needed to be done. And if the first person that gets on the news that walks through with LEDs flashing on them and everything else, that's what the next bomb's going to look like. Again, I I think you're right. I mean, I did certainly concede a couple things. I think it's appropriate for airport security to be suspicious and to investigate in that particular case. If they see something that they believe is dangerous, they should investigate it. And I went from she's stupid to, well, um, I hope that if she didn't intend to do it, that she doesn't get charged. Well, not charged, but that she doesn't get found guilty of committing a hoax. How do you feel and about the charges in this particular case? I, I mean, once the police ascertained exactly. that she, she was totally safe and just, a, you know, maybe a silly little college kid, uh, how do you feel about them charging her with these uh, federal crimes? And that's exactly the concession that I wanted to hear from Mark was, you know, once you find out, she hasn't harmed anyone. She may have scared some people, but she hasn't harmed anyone. I'm sorry. You know, it, it might, you know, explain to her. It might, it doesn't matter if she's from MIT. It doesn't matter if she's a rocket scientist. You know, she, if she can pull out her degree right there, explain to her. It might be a better idea not to do this in the future. Right, and take you your, know, you know, take the sweater and off. Say I'm sorry, and I mean, so the thing is, you know, it's not that you cost all these people all this money. They're getting paid to protect the place, and they protected the place. No, that's true. I didn't bring up a monetary issue at all. But thank you right, for well, the call, well, David. Was, we appreciate it, man. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Once you ascertain that it's a safe situation, you just simply clarify the rules to her, make her take the sweater off until she leaves the airport, and go about your day. No need to burden the court system with this. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind in this, the live Saturday edition of the program. It is Ian here with you. Emma. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Single CAI toll-free line. That's 800-259-9231, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features on the site are for free. We've got 
live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, both on the house. And uh, you can enjoy them on us, freetalklive.com. If you or perhaps someone you know needs a primer on some of the subjects we talk about on Free Talk Live, you should check out the Liberty Radio Underground. It's an elementary introduction to libertarianism, and each show concisely handles a single topic in under 10 minutes. It's great for someone who is new to liberty. Go to libertyradiounderground.com today and grab an episode. That's libertyradiounderground.com. Now, the war on drugs. This is a claim that I have made on the show before, just really well fleshed out, from Bloody Mary Breakfast, a blog somewhere on the internet, Blogspot, in fact. And the title is, There Is No War on Drugs. And I agree 100%. There is no war on drugs, and there never really has been a war on drugs. Okay. That's just what they say. And he fleshes it out. He says, there is no war on drugs, but there are drug warriors. They wear the drug warrior badge proudly. They brag about it at parties. They create an environment in which vast sums of money, your money, uh, are traded for controlled substances. They allow the very first, uh, the very worst citizens of the world to amass untold economic gains, fund their arsenals of weapons, and permit them to trample on the lives and liberties of the rest of the population. Many drug warriors have families, uh, family members who are drug users or dealers. Many are drug users themselves. I used to know somebody who in a, uh, was in a family where one sibling was a police officer mm-hmm. and the other sibling was a marijuana dealer. Oh, my God. Interesting. Did the uh, police officer know that? No. The police officer sibling know that? I don't, th- I, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, so going on here, the most ardent drug warriors are scared of their own weakness. They don't trust themselves to just say no. They also know that the drug battles won't be fought in their neighborhood or by their children. Instead of fighting the battles they create, drug warriors appropriate tax dollars to hire enforcers. That's your money. Uh, Border Patrol, customs agents, drug enforcement agents, treasury agents, prosecutors, police, and paramilitary SWAT teams. Because it's these enforcers and their families that will actually face the danger, drug warriors feel free to ratchet up the rhetoric and the policies. So I guess when they're talking about the drug warriors there, they're specifically referring to the politicians. There is no war on drugs, but there are drug suppliers with armies of soldiers. They are the captains of industry in the black market. Like any industry, they have vendors, distributors, transportation networks, and retailers. They compete for business and for profits. They collude to set prices high and monopolize their territories. As with all unnatural cartels, the incentive to cheat cheat is high, and the collusion frequently breaks down, usually in a hail of bullets. You know, people complain about uh, businesses in the marketplace gathering together to form a cartel, like, you know, the old uh, fantasy that three gas stations, you got three gas stations on three different corners, uh, all the owners get get together and they agree to set their prices five cents higher than every other price you know uh, price in town so that everyone has to go and shop at their stores right, they're more likely to get um you know make more money but the fact is one of them's going to break it at one point or another right one and of them will get they greedy. don't sh- they don't shoot each other in the process yeah that's the important difference uh is that when the gas station decides to break the cartel and lower his prices all that can really happen is his competitors get angry they can't actually shoot him over it Drug suppliers are extremely adept at collecting and leveraging information. They know their competitors, and they know the drug warriors. They know their names, where they live, and what schools their children attend. They know what time they go jogging in the morning and the route they take to work. They know information about the drug warriors that the drug warriors wouldn't want to go public. They know that any drug warrior that actually posed a threat to their operation could be easily discredited or just eliminated. But the black market for drugs is high stakes because it's high risk. Drug suppliers know that their enormous profits come not in spite of the environment created by the drug warriors, but because of it. They recognize drug laws for what they are, protectionism. 
They applaud and encourage the anti-competitive actions of governments around the world and thank the drug warriors for erecting high barriers to entry in their marketplace. It's absolutely true. If you think that the drug kingpins of the world don't understand that it is the black market, that it is prohibition, that is the number one factor as to why they are so filthy wealthy, then you're fooling yourself. The worst thing that could happen to a successful pot dealer is that they legalize marijuana tomorrow. It's true. Or successful anything dealer. Fill in the blank. The worst thing that could happen to an evil meth dealer is that they legalize meth. Because then it'll be offered by legitimate business people in legitimate business uh, locations, produced in legitimate laboratories with real quality control, and sold at a fraction of the street price. Well, likely meth or crack wouldn't have existed without the drug war anyway. That's true. He but touches perhaps, on that. I mean, people would people may want the pro- will likely want the product now that it's uh, it's dear now exactly. Uh, so there is no war on drugs, but there are spies and double agents. See, the soldiers of drug suppliers are better paid and more heavily armed than the enforcers of the drug warriors. Looking the other way for an hour can earn a drug warrior more than the excuse me the uh, can can earn an enforcer more than a more than a long lifelong career of enforcement. Uh, even the most principled enforcer recognizes the danger posed against his family and possessions by the soldiers of the drug suppliers. Even the most strident enforcer knows that any victory produced by all-out combat against the drug suppliers would be pyrrhic at best and personally devastating at worst. And again, he's absolutely right here in that if you are a Border Patrol agent, you're getting paid, you know, thirty-five, forty thousand dollars a year, something they make like it that. Fifty, who knows? Um, and you really can make several thousand dollars just for letting a truck full of marijuana or cocaine or whatever pass through your checkpoint. Yeah. Really, just for you know, read five, the stories. for less than five minutes worth of work, you can make your or entire year's salary. Seriously. Uh, the enforcers are also adept at using information from spies and double agents. They know that the weakest participants in the black market can be exploited as informants, but only if they remain in the black market. The stronger, more violent participants can also be exploited in return for plea deals and reduced sentences. The price of information is aid and comfort to the enemy. There's no war on drugs, but there are weapons laboratories. Drug profits fund research and development for stronger drugs and designer drugs. Drug suppliers fund R&D on cheaper, more addictive substances. For instance, meth and crack cocaine, as you pointed out, uh, being the most notable examples to expand their customer base. Despite that evidence, drug warriors are often found on the same stage as pharmaceutical companies, swearing that prescription drug R&D will only happen if taxpayers fund it. It bears repeating, meth and crack cocaine would not exist if not for the policies of the drug warriors. The demand for these sickening substances only exists because pharmaceutical-grade cocaine is not available for purchase at the local drugstore. Period. The reason crack came about... It was at one point. um, Until the... uh, It's not available now. Yeah, until the early part of the 20th century, less than 100 years ago, you could buy cocaine and heroin right at the drugstore. A whole big old bottle full of it. And contain this stuff. Is Is that an urban myth? That's what Snopes said. Oh, so Snopes said yes. It was Snopes true. said yes. Okay. Additionally, it's probable that alcohol and tobacco-related deaths would be much lower if marijuana cigarettes were available at every convenience store. 
There's no war on drugs, but there is collateral damage. Houses of innocent people are burglarized, convenience stores are knocked over, and cars are stolen to provide the cash for drugs. Innocent bystanders are wounded or killed by stray bullets from drive-bys and police shootouts. Family pets are executed in drug raids. We see this all the time. Uh, life savings are invested in homes, only to find that the structures are contaminated from the production of methamphetamines. Farmers' fields are burned and salted. Drug warriors are re-elected, and their enforcers are paid by the assets seized from innocent, law-abiding citizens. But there's more points on why there really isn't a war on drugs. If there was a war on drugs, there'd be a lot more dead cops. More on the way, and then the war on drugs would be over quite quite fast. Uh, more coming up. You can take control. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind. The live Saturday edition, it is Ian here with you. And Mark. Toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates, and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. You'll know first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. It's that easy. Updates.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click join us today. We'll find liberty together. That's rlc.org. We're talking about a uh, great blog post. really sums up this so-called war on drugs. It's from Bloody Mary Breakfast on blogspot.com, and he's really just going down the laundry list of reasons as to why it is that there really isn't a war on drugs. They just say that. Now, you could make the argument that there's sort of a war on freedom <laughs> or a war on the people in America that use drugs, but there's not actually a war on drugs in that there's no real war between the police and the drug dealers. Sure, you'll see a bust from time to time. You'll see the picture on the front page of the local section of the newspaper with the sheriff standing next to his top narc cop and, you know, standing there real proud next to a table full of bales of marijuana, cash, and some guns. And, yes, we've taken out this crook. We've taken out this drug dealer, and that's now going to make the streets safer for everyone in this town. Which is really just posturing. It's really just symbolism. Because as soon as you take out one drug dealer, the competitor or whoever it is that wanted to have his business steps right in to take his place. Now that's assuming that in fact the competitor didn't actually pay off his shills within the police department to, to do make the bus? just that. That sort of stuff happens all the time. You now, would be now, shocked to know that. If, if you doubt that that's the case... Think about the mobsters when it came to the prohibition, prohibition of alcohol. That's what everybody presupposed, and that's what everybody believes now. Why in the world wouldn't that be what's going on with drugs? There are absolutely certain sheriffs out there in this country that have – they basically have um, an approved network of drug dealers. Like, you can operate within this area of town with the sheriff's blessing as long as you don't you know, cross the wrong people or whatever the provisions are. I don't presume to know what they are. But if you start operating in town without having the uh, the anointing of the sheriff, then it won't be long before you get taken out. 
It won't be long before that you get raided and you get plucked off the streets. There's all kinds of different corruption that goes on. Everything from cops looking the other way to the cops actually getting into the act and becoming black market dealers themselves. The news are, the, the stories are out there every week. The stories not only are the stories out there in the news, but the stories also float around the world of the black market, too. You spend enough time in the black market and you meet enough people and you'll start to hear things. Things that are coming from credible sources about certain law enforcement officers, certain sheriffs, that sort of thing. Uh, but let me go on with a few points here, and we'll take some calls. Uh, the drug warriors, according to the blog post, are reelected, and their enforcers are paid by the assets seized from innocent law-abiding citizens. Sometimes the assets are seized for the crime of transporting cash. Mostly it's seized through excessive taxation. These assets are diverted from drug treatment and education. The collection plates of churches are lighter, and community centers have fewer basketballs because these assets are appropriated to enforce the policies of drug warriors. The destruction of innocent law-abiding families is the most egregious example of the collateral damage. If drug-related crime isn't visited on them directly, they're subjected to higher insurance premiums because of it. Because so much of their money is taken by the government, parents must work longer and harder to afford health care, clothes, food, housing, and education for their children. The extra time spent at work comes directly out of family time. Not surprisingly, that decrease in parental supervision results in more children coming into contact with and joining the drug trade. This cruel cycle is complete when the drug warriors decry the erosion of family values and pledge to spend more family dollars prosecuting a war on drugs. There is no war on drugs, even though there are armies, weapons, tactics, spies, and collateral damage. There are no definable or achievable objectives, no overwhelming force employed, and no ground gained or lost. The phrase, war on drugs, dehumanizes the victims, enforcers, families, farmers, legitimate businesses, and yes, drug users and the soldiers. The phrase provides a smokescreen for the profiteers, drug warriors, and the suppliers. It's time to start naming and exposing the people and quit using the phrase. I'm with him. I, I, he makes a good point. Uh, you know, he's absolutely right. There are two distinct groups of people that are really profiting from this whole war on drugs. The politicians and the people in government, the drug warriors, mm-hmm. and then the people that are doing the dealing, the people that are selling the drugs. These are the people that benefit from the war on drugs. All of the rest of us, we're caught in the middle. Well, the police departments benefit, too. I mean, those people are in government. That's what I said, the drug warriors. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. Politicians yeah. and, the, and police. the police. Right. The whole government apparatus benefits. Because, well, I mean, the government... Uh, Even if they're on the up and up, look, which, which crimes is it the police departments enforce? Do they vice, go out vice, vice. Do they do. I mean, that's what, they're, that's what they're out enforcing. They're not out looking for the guy who killed somebody last week. They're not looking for the guy who stabbed some lady in the park. They're not looking for an arsonist, and they're not looking for bank robbers. Maybe they have one or two detectives working on that. But the lion's share of their uh, budget is appropriated to Vice, where they make money, lots and lots of money. Yep, and, and the fact is the bulk of the war, so-called war on drugs is just the police arresting users. It's just that simple. They arrest just small-time users. Sure. They arrest, at, at, at most, and, uh, small-time dealers, and that enriches the system, too, because when you bust somebody for marijuana possession, you slap them with a $400 fine. I, I swear to you, I met someone outside of the courthouse here in Keene who had to pay a $420 fine for a marijuana possession case. 
That's big money for the police department. You take that one person and multiply it times several hundred over mm-hmm. a couple months or whatever. That's that's a lot of money coming in. Sure is. So uh, and that of course impoverishes those people even more because the people that are getting caught for using drugs aren't people driving BMWs or well, Lex, Lexi. Not as not as many. Very very seldom does that happen, Mark. Uh, there are the people that are driving the beaters. They're the people that are living in the bad parts of town. The, the cops aren't doing sting operations on the streets of a gated neighborhood. Uh, the cops are out there uh, dealing with, uh, you know, they're, they're enforcing the war on drugs in poorer neighborhoods. So the people that they bust and they slap with these multi-hundred dollar fines, and not to Those mention the, the jail easier time, ones to catch, by the way. Right. They're easier to catch. And they're they're far poorer, so when they, they won't fight it, they won't fight it. And so when they pay these fines, they're that much more in the hole in their lives, which of course contributes to depression inevitably. When you don't have money and you're poor, and you just got even poorer because the government snatched seven hundred dollars from you, then you become more depressed and therefore more likely to use drugs, and therefore more likely or to commit get crimes again. in general. Right, and therefore more likely to get caught again, put back into the system, find even more, spending even more time in jail. And, of course, if they're spending time in jail, then we're all paying for that. I mean, the, the whole thing is just madness. Let's go to the phones and talk to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hi, hon. I'm really glad you brought this up because i tell you what, where I live, we can't get anything done about the drugs. A friend of mine that lives right outside of the area where I'm at, He's got drugs all around him. These people are breaking into people's houses. They're mm-hmm. stealing things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing nothing about it. Well, the only thing you can do, Paula, is end the war on drugs. Then the drug yeah. problem goes away. Then the drugs yeah. are sold in businesses. Then the users aren't knocking over convenience stores and robbing people blind to, uh, to get money because they can afford it on a minimum wage job. Yeah, and also, also is that they're, they're, they're preying on people's weaknesses and their and their problems you know and i mean people got to learn that they don't need drugs they can handle anything they're god's child all they've got to do is go to him no i don't think i think a lot of drug users don't think they need drugs many drug users simply want to use drugs because it's fun for them that's how they want to spend their free time whereas you might spend time in a church paula these people are interested in spending time getting high and it's not necessarily an issue of i think a lot of people do have problems with drugs and can't stop i didn't say that there weren't people with problems i'm just making the the point that, that uh, you know, I, it's not to some fair extent, to, what she's saying is true. It's not fair to lump all drug users into the category of being fiends. That's mm-hmm. just not fair. Well, the thing is, is that we need to help people to realize that they don't need the drugs. They can handle anything without it. And I mean, they're just they're they they're some people are just weaker than others. But the thing is, that's not fair either. Hand, some people might be their... some people might be weaker than others, but they might uh, show that weakness by going and you know worshiping a, a, a oh this, come on a god at a church. I mean, you could argue that those people are weaker than others. I'm not going to make that argument. I'm just pointing out well, that you can't you can't paint people with this broad brush. It's just well, not fair, can, Paula. I, they've got they've got to learn that drugs are not going to help them. That it's just going to hurt them. Drugs or alcohol. They can handle I would agree. anything. If they want to, they can handle it. Thanks if for the, the positive way- message, Paul. Appreciate it more on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, the live Saturday edition. We only have a few moments remaining, but just enough time for your call if you make it now at 1-800-259-9231. And as always, you can bring up anything. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. And join us online at freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you like the fact that we give away all the features on the website, then maybe you should consider helping us out. 
by shopping with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. New items, used items, 41 categories to shop in, great customer service. You know Amazon. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. Just go and do your shopping, but enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. You're going to have to shop anyway. You might as well send a cut to Free Talk Live. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Doesn't affect the price either. It does not. Same great prices, same great free super saver shipping deals. It's just that they send us a spiff for sending them the business. Amazon.freetalklive.com. You know, I want to uh, just expound upon what Paula was talking about a few moments ago. Paula had called in with what sounds like a very positive message on its face that, you know, you can do anything without drugs. And that's true. You can. Uh, But some people like to do things with drugs. Because that's just human nature for many of us. Um, maybe not Paula, and I don't know what her drug-taking habits are. I think we've asked her before. I think she said she doesn't, eat, she doesn't even drink. Um, so if she wants to be completely straight-edge, as the kids call it, then that's cool. It's her life, and she should be able to make those choices. But if somebody decides they want to do something with drugs or while on drugs, um, then that should be their choice as well. And it's not necessarily to suggest that because they're taking drugs that they feel that they're incapable. Many drug users are very successful individuals, people in the marketplace who are doing things like being lawyers and doctors and you know, uh, and truck drivers and uh, taxi cab drivers. I mean, they're the people from all across the spectrum of uh, you know the workforce are users of drugs. People from all across the spectrum of income brackets are users of drugs. There's no way that you can stereotype everybody into this one pigeonhole, uh, every well, drug user. I, I, I would agree with you that, pe- that people's lives should be however, you know, they should be able to design their life however they want. Mm-hmm. If that person wants to be a drug user and live a crappy life, then that's fine. If they want to be a drug user and live a good life, that's fine. If sure. they want to live the most successful life, my advice to them would be don't use drugs or alcohol, simply because these are road bumps on... I don't agree. I'm, t- I'm telling you. I, I don't think it's necessarily a road bump unless you're addicted, in which case then you're spending all your free money on these drugs. If you're using them I think on an after, occasional I recreational think basis. A, a, an, on an occasional recreational basis certainly would put fewer speed bumps on the road to success. But every right. use, look, there's after effects in the use. You know, there's either a hang, there's a hangover of some sort or another with the majority of drugs. You can't perform at your optimum during that hangover, mm-hmm. even if you, um, you know, only do so on Friday nights. Right. Then it's not uh, recreational drug users aren't going to work high. Many of them are not. I'm not um, saying they are. You know, did I, I say say that? Well, you made it sound like you know no, they're wasting I did, I, their I said days. The, the terminology I mean, hangover was the terminology I used. Right, but many dr- uh, recreational drug users plan for that sort of thing. So, for instance, they'll take their drugs on a day when they know the next day they have all day to recover, where they don't have anything uh, necessarily that they have to and run out and do. There's something more productive they could be doing on that day that they're recovering. That very well be, could be true, but Mark, not everybody That's, does. Not everybody spends seven days out of their week being productive. Many people like to go out and you know sit out and fish all day long, for instance. That's not productive. That's a that's a luxury activity. While they're fishing, they could meet quite possibly um, the multimillionaire that could fund their jump into the the, the uh, world of business that could make or break their whole um, you know success paradigm. And if they're addled by um, a hangover from drugs or alcohol, then they may not be able to be as quick-witted as it takes 
um, to uh, you know convince this guy that, mm-hmm. that he needs to fund their project. It's certainly a stretch, Mark. Certainly, it's a not a stretch. I'm telling you, when you're sitting out in a boat speed bumps by yourself, on the road to success. When you're sitting out in a boat by yourself with a line in the water, you're not going to meet too many people. Yeah. Y- in yeah. fact, people tend to go fishing because it's you a solitary that, activity. You got to put that boat in the water because it's a solitary there might be people activity. People at the uh, boat ramp. Most people go fishing because they want to spend some time alone or with a co- with a friend or something like that. So that's absurd, in my opinion. Yeah. Well. Um, so people, uh, responsible drug users, use their drugs. Uh, usually planning for the after effects. And there are certainly plenty of people that don't, but I wouldn't label them responsible. People you know, that with show the, up at work with, with the a way hangover. the war on drugs goes, you just don't know what the after effects are necessarily going to be. I've seen people smoke marijuana that was laced with something that they got from a friend and they didn't realize it was laced with something, and they had all kinds of after effects that they didn't imagine. I've seen people well, that's take the black market. I've seen people take LSD and have um, you know a, 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 a psychotropic attack. Once again, black market. I mean, you can't not, not with LSD necessarily. The, sure, it is because in the black market you can't you can't count on quality. You can't count on uh, amount. You don't right. know what we're the, talking. The dose is right. you're I getting. understand what you're, you're 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 claiming, and I would totally agree with you. Drugs would be safer if they were legal. Right. They are not. So well, we were just talking drugs about drugs and use alcohol. In we were. I said drugs and alcohol right. are road bumps or speed bumps on the road to success. That's my statement, and it's true. Okay, I disagree. 800-259-9231. I think they can be, if used inappropriately. Uh, let's talk, or not talk, but let's go to the email box to Bradley. He writes in, uh, guys, I'm a new listener of the show, been listening for several weeks, try to catch it every day, and uh, not only do you guys keep your temper most of the time, but you treat your callers with respect, which is important to me in talk radio. I'm a skeptic by nature when it comes to government and politics. I spent my high school and higher educational years as an anarchist. I don't want you to get bored, so I won't go on about who I am. I'll get to the point. I'm trying to shoot holes in everything you say as I listen to you. So far, so good. I can't shoot a hole in anything you guys have said. You use your facts very well. I want to get. Uh, I want you to talk about education in a free market state. Immigration affects my family in the way that my son goes to public school, and he doesn't get what I feel is enough attention. He's doing well in school, but the teachers admit there's some level of strain on the former efficiency of the teaching now that the majority of the school is Spanish-speaking and not all teachers speak Spanish. I greatly respect the ideology of removing the welfare state so that those who don't don't want to leash off the system, cannot. I just don't know how it would work if we removed government education. I'm not saying it's impossible, and I don't want you to think I'm trying to pick a fight. I honestly want to hear your platform on American education, where it is, and where you think it should be. That would interest me greatly, and I think I could gain a great amount of knowledge by listening to you discuss the topic. So, uh, the platform... Well, I've got four minutes. Huh? American <laughs> education, where it is, and where you think it should be. I would uh, agree with you that I think that uh, the government should be entirely out of education, period. That's it. Now, I'm willing to make a concession, probably unlike yourself. If uh, the poorest people in America, say the bottom 10%, simply can't afford, you know, people are concerned they will not get an education, then perhaps we should have a welfare system to send that bottom 10% to school. But at the very least... Why can't we just have charity? I think the charity would handle that. But okay, what then. I'm trying to do is um, every whenever I talk about taking the government completely out of education, the yeah. first argument I get is, what about the poor people? So I'm trying to get beyond that. In fact, what we have with government education is welfare for middle class people. And those middle class people are leeching off of people that don't have kids, uh, people that have a whole bunch of money in order to educate their children, which really is about, you know, it's all about a system of people. What about the poor people who wouldn't get an education? Fine. 
will make a welfare system for the poor people, bottom 10%. Anyway, beyond that, um, there are all kinds of colleges. College is probably a better example of you know the free market in education than public school, although many colleges get federal funds. But let's take a look at um, University of Phoenix, Kaiser College, some of these uh, national schools that are much, much less expensive than say, the University of Florida, the University of California, these state schools. And they target their education, not from a liberal arts um, core requirement, but they give people degrees in things they can use, accounting, business management, um, you know, nursing, these kind of uh, very marketable skills. Those same sorts of schools would spring up in the free market around regular education. People would get – and then there would be competition. Um, prices would go Mark, down. Don't we need standards? Well, I, I, Don't we need our standards, central authority to set standards? Are standards making it so that uh, 20 to 40 percent of uh, Americans graduate from school functionally illiterate? Well, I mean, the standards could be better. Okay. Don't we need standards? We're going to raise the standards so we're going to teach to more tests. Don't we need so that we have one teachers group teaching of kids how to bubble in A, B, or C? Mark, you know, if you disagree with the standards, that's fine. But don't we need one group of people deciding on what is right and what's wrong no. for education? Uh, no, we don't. Look... People come. Um, people need all kinds of education. There's all kinds of different education. Are you telling me that an auto mechanic needs the same sort of education that an engineer needs, that a waitress needs? There's all kinds of people in the marketplace, and they need an education in all kinds of areas. Right. The fact is, I was just playing devil's advocate. I know. The fact is, the marketplace can handle education far better than the government can, and for far less money. If we finally get the government out of education and allow the free marketplace to operate, then we'll really have a true competitive market marketplace in providing education services to both young people and adults and that will result in all kinds of choices send your kids to bible school send your kids to atheist school send your kids to science school to math school to you know a, a wide variety of choices and options in the marketplace and again competition would bring prices down and bring quality of service and the quality of education the product if you will being offered up it works in every other market. Why segment? wouldn't it work with education? It would. It's just we need to get the government the hell out of the way to allow it to work in the first place. They turn teachers into bureaucrats. We will see you Monday night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com and have a great weekend. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.